RBK1 that we got from rat brain, we expressed it in oocytes and it formed beautiful potassium channels. Of course, there was then a huge slew of similar channels uh, coming out afterwards. Now, it turned out that was not the potassium channel that was opened by opiates or noradrenaline or somatostatin. It was just another kind of potassium channel, actually one that's opened by depolarizing the cell. Uh, but of course, eventually, it led to the identification of the precise molecular kind of potassium channel that is, that is opened when you activate uh, an opiate receptor or a noradrenaline receptor. But now we were in a position that we could make very small mutations uh, to a single amino acid at what we thought was the mouth of the potassium channel. It didn't affect the potassium channel function at all, but it reduced the blocking effect of tetraethyl ammonium. So the power of this approach was really enormous. This figure from 1988 shows how we considered the channel to form from four symmetrical subunits, indicated by the blue outlines. In each subunit, the polypeptide chain of the protein crosses the membrane six times, shown here as the cylinders. The potassium ions pass through a central pore. Tetraethyl ammonium had been used for many years to block the pore of potassium channels, we found that one amino acid at the outer end of one cylinder, a tyrosine residue, was involved in the blocking by tetraethyl ammonium. All four such tyrosines were needed for full block. Therapeutic outcomes from the cloning of potassium channels are uh, with us. So there are several drugs available now which selectively block molecular subtypes of potassium channel. Many in development, but the ones that are currently with us are ones which are used for the treatment of epilepsy. Uh, there are many other potassium channels which are targets, particularly in the immune system, but not yet drugs on the market.